from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Geologic mapping along the I-70 corridor from St. Louis westward to Kansas City. Gadolinium or yttrium or erbium. Thermal properties, luminescent properties, radioactive properties, handheld power tools, portable vacuum cleaners, battery technologies, and solar technologies. We're going to be looking uh, at our southern corridor and mapping the resources along uh, I-44 next. Are you worried that just by making people aware of what's here, you could be setting off the next copper rush? And the next thing you know, we look like West Virginia here. They're just sawing off the top of our, our wonderful rolling hills. I'm Sarah Fenske. A national project is now underway in Missouri. The U.S. Geological Survey is behind this initiative. It seeks to identify areas that contain critical mineral resources that have so far gone undiscovered. It's called Earth MRI. And joining us now to tell us about it is Joe Gilman. He's the Missouri State Geologist and also director of the Missouri Geological Survey. Joe Gilman, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. Very nice to be here. So, Joe, what exactly are critical minerals? Well, as I'm sure you know, it's not an uncomplicated topic, but critical minerals are, are really those minerals that are defined uh, that have important uses uh, in our economy, but also have no real viable substitutes. Um, yet they, they may face a potential disruption in supply and, and, you know, they're defined as, the, as what is critical to the nation's economy and to the nation's national security. And so a commodity's importance and, and the nature of its supply change um, can, can actually change with time. But, you know, what's considered critical now uh, is important with today's technologies and today's needs. So can you give us an example of something that would be considered a critical mineral right now? Sure. So a suite of minerals are uh, commonly known as rare earth elements. Uh, and these are elements that are extremely important in technologies that are related to energy and defense and medical uh, electronics and just common goods. But they possess properties, uh, properties such as thermal properties or luminescent properties or radio radioactive properties that have um, qualities that are important in things like battery technologies and solar technologies. And so some of these things, and, and to give you um, just an example, um, things with exotic names like gadolinium or yttrium or erbium, these are the types of, of minerals that we're talking about. And so even with all of the advances in technology, everything they're able to make these days, you know, all the wonder that, that goes into a cell phone, these are things that they can't manufacture in a lab. They still have to get these from, from the earth. That is accurate. And, you know, there are technologies at play that, you know, we, we will advance uh, our technological understanding about how to create man-made uh, substances that can produce um, uh, materials with similar qualities. But at this point in time, you're, you're accurate. These are materials and elements that are contained within the Earth's rocks. 
uh, and they, they need to be extracted in order to be used. And so right now, a lot of these, they are not being extracted from American rocks. What, what are some of the major sources of these, these critical minerals that we're trying to find here, uh, but in general are not things that are being used from American sources? <clears throat> right. So in a global economy, of course, we, we look uh, externally to other geographic regions of the world to help support the needs of, of our own and, and other countries do the same. Right now, uh, much of the production uh, for critical and rare earth materials uh, are related to Asian countries, um, African countries, uh, South America, uh, and some in, to be fair, some in the U.S. And, and some in Canada as well. So, but the major sources uh, right now are, are essentially being produced on uh, in foreign regions. It's been interesting to read, just in preparation for talking to you today, just how much of the international market for some of these critical minerals that China controls, even if they're not necessarily digging for them in China, it's still Chinese companies that are getting them out of, of African countries, places like that. Is that a concern for the federal government? Well, I think that would delve into uh, a policy arena in which uh, I don't have all the uh, answers. Um, however, as we look at the nation's import dependence on, on many critical minerals and the sources in which uh, we receive those, of course, one could draw a natural conclusion that you know there is concern from a national uh, security standpoint and from a national economic standpoint that that having access to those minerals um, and the only um, access to those would be uh, a foreign supplier could raise concerns. So now we're trying to find them here. Is Missouri unique in that it has this attention from the federal government saying this is a place that, that we want to see what's there? Well, yes and no. Um, so this is a national uh, effort uh, in partnership with the state geologists and the state geological surveys across the nation and USGS to really take a look at what opportunities exist uh, within the known geologic framework of, of the possible occurrence of these minerals. Missouri has a long history of minerals production that includes significant deposits of, of things like iron oxide and, and copper gold and lead and zinc. And so many of these types of minerals that we know exist in Missouri are also co-located with some of these critical and rare earth elements that we are seeking. So even though we, we in Missouri may not be unique in the national picture, we are very unique in the sense that we do have a long history of minerals production and many of the minerals that have produced in Missouri uh, are co-located with some of the minerals that, of interest. So there's sort of some clues that suggest, okay, Missouri could be a place where these minerals are, are under-detected and under-harvested. Absolutely. So let's talk about some examples of that. Uh, what's one area that you have your eye on right now is, okay, we let's do a closer look here. Well, we have a number of projects going on, uh, and one in specific, and this is tied uh, very directly to our partnership with USGS on the Earth MRI uh, initiative. And that is to really a twofold effort, uh, and that is to look at doing some geophysical work and looking into the subsurface and trying to, to get a better understanding of, of the distribution of the deep rock systems within the Earth. And then once we start to piece those puzzles together uh, about the distribution uh, of those rocks, it can lead us to areas that 
uh, might be more suitable for further investigation. And so right now, one of the things we're working on is a geologic mapping effort in our Fredericktown area. And our Fredericktown area uh, has historically uh, produced uh, cobalt uh, and nickel and copper, which are all three very important uh, and very critical uh, minerals at this point in time. So we're focused on that particular area under our Earth MRI project, but we have a number of other things going on uh, that are outside of that area as well. So thinking about what is happening in Fredericktown, traditionally the way to figure out what's in the earth was just to, to drill, right? I mean, to, to dig, to get down in there. That's not exactly what you guys are doing here when you talk about geological mapping efforts. So what does that look like in Fredericktown? Sure, so that would really involve uh, boots on the ground and ground truthing of, of data that we have both that we've collected in a remote sense, uh, and that is uh, you know, with something like geophysics, but then doing um, actual physical collecting of rock samples and identifying the mineralogy and the geochemistry of those rocks, and then start to put together a picture. And that picture is what is the rock uh, sequence within the subsurface and what does that look like and what are these sedimentary rocks are they igneous rocks what types of rocks of the igneous variety are they are they volcanic or were they formed deep inside the earth and these things will then allow us to con construct a, a, a geologic map or a geo framework map and that map tells a story it tells us the the types of rocks that exist the depositional environments in which they were created and then what other things we can know about those rocks? What is their mineralogy? What is their geochemistry? And that points us to clues about where we might uh, be able to refine our searches. And yes, through drilling, there's hardly any substitute for going out there and, and drilling a hole and getting information in the subsurface. But that those types of things are what we're trying to accomplish. So we actually have a map posted on our website. That's stlonair.show. We've also posted it on Twitter. You can look for us at stlonair there on Twitter to see this. It shows where there could be iron-bearing rocks and other minerals. It looks like a heat map. There's a lot of different colors. So you can kind of get a sense of, okay, like here's a place you'd want to hone in on. Maps with this level of detail um, related to what's under the ground, is it new that, that we would have this level of detail for Missouri? It's not new. Uh, it, we have a very robust geologic mapping program. Uh, and the great thing about a geologic map, and, and I mentioned this earlier and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, but it, it, tells a, it tells a story. And not only is that map useful for better understanding the mineralogy uh, of the rocks in the subsurface, but it can also inform other decisions as well. Decisions such as what geologic hazards may exist uh, that the public may be exposed to. Uh, is this an area that would be permissible for construction uh, of important infrastructure? Is it stable? Uh, it can also inform information on groundwater resources and surface water resources. And so there are a lot of uses of a geologic map. This mechanism is what the primary purpose of us constructing the map is for, but studies have shown that one geologic map um, can be very useful over and over and over again for a variety of purposes. So it's not new. Right now we have a very um, strong initiative and we're, we're doing geologic mapping along the I-70 corridor from St. Louis westward to Kansas City. We're nearing completion of that project and we're really excited about the future and we're probably going to be looking uh, at our southern corridor and mapping the resources along 
uh, I-44 next. Boy, thinking about going along I-70 all the way from St. Louis to Kansas City, that's obviously a really broad swath of turf right there. How long does it take to get your to get a handle on that as far as mapping goes, an area that big? Well, that can depend on the number of resources that you have, either human capital or, or financial capital to do that work. But we're very fortunate uh, to be working in, in a state that supports uh, geoscience understanding. And so therefore we have core funding in order to do that. And then our federal partners, USGS, uh, also contribute uh, match funding to that effort. So we're really fortunate to have a, a strong program. It does take time, um, clearly. But as we move from, from east to west, uh, we make good progress and we publish uh, a number of maps, eight to 10 maps a year through that project. And each of those maps encompasses a neighborhood of uh, 60 square miles. So we are making progress. You're talking about state resources, state funding going into this. Comparatively speaking, is this a lot of money that, that it takes to put these things together? Well, comparative, uh, I don't know. It depends on what we would compare it to. But, uh, you know, I think we, you know, in our uh, budget within the Department of Natural Resources, we request uh, what we believe we have the ability to accomplish. And that has been a very successful approach uh, in the past, and we will continue to do that. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation with Joe. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. And now back to our conversation. Our guest today is Joe Gilman, uh, director and state geologist with the Missouri Geological Survey. We're talking about how Missouri is is one of uh, states across the nation where there's an effort to try to see what critical minerals can be found within them, maybe decrease our dependence on other countries. Um, these are really important minerals as far as some te- technological developments go. Joe, it feels like without um, without these minerals, we couldn't have cell phones. We couldn't have things like wind turbines. There's a whole lot riding on having a good source of this stuff. No, absolutely. You're correct, Sarah. And I think that's an important point to make is that, you know, oftentimes uh, these technologies uh, that you speak of are what propels the economy. And, you know, I think we we don't often uh, think about that in our daily lives. But as we sit and we discuss uh, these these topics on the on the air today, uh, I'm I'm holding a cell phone, and within that cell phone um, are probably 70 plus uh, important uh, minerals that uh, are utilized in order to make that possible. Mm-hmm. In addition, I think many of us uh, have a battery technology in our home that we don't really think about. But if we look at um, handheld power tools, many of those are defined by batteries these days. Uh, we look at things like portable vacuum cleaners that that do our jobs through the touch of an app and they they run around the house while we're at work. You know, those all are reliant on on these minerals that, you know, technology has allowed us to take advantage of, whereby, you know, in 1980, a computer chip uh, was made up of less than 15 elements. Uh, And today, with high-speed integrated circuits, 
uh, it's 80 plus. Mm -hmm. And so the worldwide demand for this technology is clearly growing. When we look at the potential for the energy transition to the future, um, electric cars, uh, solar power, all require uh, important uh, elements uh, that we're talking about today. It has been interesting reading about uh, the switchover that's happening where people are moving to electric vehicles. One of the things that might hold that back is if we can't find good sources for some of these minerals. And so, uh, you know, this is all just further proof of how interdependent all these issues are related to the environment, related to the earth. L let's say that we find a great source of something like this in Missouri. What happens then? Yeah, good question. And so I think it's important uh, for your listeners to understand that, you know, these efforts are not uh, mining plans. These are not efforts to uh, tell Missouri citizens we're building a mine in this location. But moreover, it gives us the understanding and the knowledge that these materials exist and that we would have access to them if needed. And so I think that's really important. And, and you know, at some point in the future, uh, if we look to a scenario by where there would be uh, a, a non-domestic source supply chain that was threatened, then the U.S. has the knowledge that we have the material available, it's located in these locations, and we have access to it if we need it. And I think that's really the important part. This is a, a nationwide effort. This geo framework is to gather information that has not been gathered before and put it into an integrated understanding of Earth's resources. And so you're saying this wouldn't be something where I'd have to worry about a, a mining company showing up and, and wanting access to my backyard. But it sounds like down the road, uh, this would be something where if we had to mine this stuff to keep the uh, American economy going, this would provide a roadmap for how to do it. I think that's an accurate statement. And of course, we can't predict any of that um, and how that's going to go. But, uh, you know, ultimately, as we you know continue to look and, and let me just share a, a factoid with you here. Um, the it's estimated that the, the global consumption of copper in the next 30 years will exceed the amount of copper that has been consumed in all of human history. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be you know, wise stewards of our resources, not only from a standpoint of we don't want to be wasteful, but we also need to be cognizant and aware of how do we develop those resources in a manner that is protective of human health and the environment. So I used to live in Arizona, and I have to say, like some of the copper mines out there, I mean, these were some ugly, massive operations. I don't know that I would want that anywhere in my state. Are you worried that just by making people aware of what's here, you could be setting off the next copper rush, and the next thing you know, we look like West Virginia here. They're just sawing off the top of our, our wonderful rolling hills. So that's a good question, and, and I think it's a question that, that you know, is better defined by, by long-term policy in a state of Missouri and, and what that would look like. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> again, I, I don't want to be alarmist that, that we're going to be developing you know, copper pits the, the size that you see in Arizona or something like that. But what we're trying to accomplish is, is really trying to put our Missouri citizens in connection with the resources that they not only use every day, but they need every day, and an understanding of those resources so that if we get to the point where those resources are in demand and there is a need to mine those, that we have the best information available and that we have the best technology available to allow us to address 
uh, the concerns not only of the public, but also of the public's needs. So on Twitter, uh, CD says he's concerned, quote, Missouri mining is a traditional polluter. Case in point is lead pollution in the Big River. He also adds this, quote, the key word concerning rare earth minerals is radioactive. I'm not enough of a scientist to know if he's identified something here. Is that a concern? So there's no doubt that Missouri has a, a, a long history of mining in this uh, state, uh, going back to the 1700s. Uh, and clearly, uh, one doesn't have to go too far to uh, understand the legacies of that mining. H however, we need to understand that you know much of that mining and much of what you see uh, on the environmental impact of that was done many, many, many decades ago, long before um, implementation of Clean Air Act, Clean Water Act, those types of things that are designed to protect those resources. In addition, new mining is not the same as old mining and so technology has allowed us to better understand how we can have a smaller footprint when extracting resources and then thirdly there's no question that that some uh, critical and strategic minerals uh, have radioactive components that's what makes them critical and strategic and if you look at at things like uh, medical technologies and imaging many of those things require radioactive components in order to uh, function as they're designed and so um, this isn't, you know, an effort to find the next uh, pile of plutonium or uranium or whatever the, the, the words might be that, that create fear with some people, but moreover, what properties do some of these critical minerals have that are very useful in today's society? It's interesting. You know, I used to think about this when I lived in Arizona. We all kind of want it both ways. We want to have that device in our hands that relies on all these minerals. We want that electric car. Nobody seems to want it in their backyard. Um, but at the same time, could there possibly be an economic benefit to Missouri if we can find the right sort of critical materials? And as you say, it sounds like the key here is we want to use uh, ways of extraction that don't fall back into those old patterns that have been so scarring for some places. For certain, and and you know the economic uh, benefit to um, any state would would certainly be recognized. Um, <clears throat> but I did, you know, one thing I do want to to just reiterate is that you know when we talk about you know our efforts in doing this, we're also building out a bigger picture of our state's resources, and that gives us the tools and the information to better manage those resources. The more we know, the better job we can do. And so I want to just reiterate that that's also a highly beneficial component of these efforts. And you're right, I, I think that, that most people would get concerned uh, about the discussion of a, of a mine or something uh, that was located next to their property or, or down the road where their, their kids might uh, ride their bikes. Um, but we do do things much differently and the, the requirements on permitting and land reclamation are much more stringent than, than even 30 years ago. And so uh, I think that should hope to uh, allay some fears uh, out there. And again, we're, um, we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still you're still mapping at this point. You're you're seeing what's there. You know, we've talked a lot about technology so far. How do you see your team's efforts playing into the push for updated infrastructure? Just the more basic things that could use some attention in in this state and across the U.S. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <clears throat> and I mentioned earlier how a, ge a geologic map tells a bigger story than just the minerals. Um, Missouri is uh, one of the nation's leading producers of limestone aggregate and concrete. Uh, or uh, Portland cement, excuse me. 
And we are blessed geologically with uh, a lot of good high quality carbonate resources. And so therefore those carbonate resources are in demand for uh, infrastructure projects, uh, whether that be uh, sand, whether that be uh, high calcium uh, limestone uh, for Portland cement, whatever it might be. And we look at Missouri as having um, 35,000, I think, plus of, of paved roads, that all takes aggregate, that all takes limestone resources to produce. And so as we look at um, the, the bipartisan infrastructure law that was recently passed by Congress and the push to update the nation's uh, infrastructure, its highways, its bridges, its water treatment facilities, uh, many of those things rely very heavily on aggregate and concrete resources. And so these efforts will also help us to continue to refine our understanding of where those resources exist in Missouri and how Missourians might take advantage of that. And when you talk about Portland cement, as someone who's not up to speed on any sorts of cement, this is just a special type of cement that, that's in demand for these types of projects? It's essentially the active ingredient in concrete. Uh, it, so you mix Portland cement with um, aggregate and water, and it, uh, when it dries, it cures and produces concrete. So it's just mm -hmm. a, it, it's a commodity name. Hmm. Well, so thinking about this big issue here and the work that's being done on the state level to do this kind of mapping, to find these critical minerals, I find myself wondering um, the public sector role in this, the fact that this is state government doing this. If Missouri had big sources of, of things like cobalt, some of the things that, that people are just going crazy to find um, overseas, and there's been this big rush to try to find sources of them, if we were a likely source of that here, wouldn't the private sector have already stepped up and, and located them? Certainly, and that's a great question, and we often get this question. Um, and, and I think the the idea is that you know if there is a, a, a mineral resource um, that's located in the subsurface, why is no one here mining it now? Well, there's really two reasons for that. One, when we look at the nation as a whole, it's a lot of geographic area, and when you throw in Alaska into that component, it's it's a really really large geographic area. So it takes some fundamental understanding across that broad spectrum in order to sort of establish the framework of where do we really want to look. And then once we start to understand better where we want to look, that's when typically you would have a quote unquote mining company that would then take available resources from across a region or across the country and say, we think there's good opportunity over here because of the data that exists. The USGS and the State Geological Surveys have produced a roadmap. Now we're going to take that roadmap and we're going to follow it to where we want to go, um, do further actual exploratory exploration and try to understand what is the quality, what is the quantity, and what is the, <clears throat> um, the ability to get it out of the ground kind of thing. So it's, it's a twofold effort. It's certainly um, part of the government's core job. Uh, in order to understand what geologic resources we have here in Missouri. Uh, but then the next step would be the private sector would actually invest in that. So what kind of timeline are you on right now for getting this Earth MRI uh, mapping all of Missouri? Is that something that, that you see wrapping up in the next couple of years, or is this a never-ending project? <laughs> well, in, in some sense, uh, you know, initiatives and projects do have uh, finite timelines, and, and we're required um, to meet those finite timelines with not only our stakeholders, but with um, 
um, our government agencies. And so we have a mix of short-term and long-term uh, plans. And you know the mapping we're doing in Fredericktown right now is a somewhat short-term plan. That will be done in the next uh, year or so. But then we're going to continue to look outward and what other opportunities are available. One of the things that we're currently discussing with USGS right now is what options do we have to look at historic mining waste, you know, old tailings, about the possibility of some of these minerals being overlooked the first time because they were produced at a time when we weren't looking for these types of things. So we've got a lot of things going on as we want to address some of these concerns from a statewide and a national perspective. And there's no real timeline on that, um, but I encourage anyone to, to check out our website and look at our geologic map index. Uh, to better understand the kinds of things that we're producing uh, on an annual basis that might help them. Yeah, I mean, there is just such a wealth of information here, and, and a lot of it even makes sense if, if you're somebody who is not really an expert into any of this critical minerals. Um, Joe Gilman, I want to thank you so much for joining us and, and making this all so accessible even to people who maybe didn't do so well in college geology class. So thank you. Thank you, Sarah. It was a pleasure. Joe is the director and state geologist with the Missouri Geological Survey. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.